this morning. Um, like I said last week, uh, we've got a few more weeks before we do a little bit of change into our Sunday school format. So I'm kind of going through Jeremiah now and just uh, picking up things I want to make sure that we go through. Uh, and Jeremiah 20 was uh, for this week. Um, last week uh, we we talked a lot about um, repentance and timing in repentance and not procrastinating with your repentance. Uh, and I pray that it's helped us all to be quick to run to God um, in repentance. Um, and uh, and that we've prayed for those who have come to mind who need Christ and uh, prayed that God would, would uh, do a work in their hearts as well as he's done in ours. Um, so here in this chapter we see uh, Jeremiah and he is holding fast uh, to the message of, that God has given him. Um, he is absolutely not being pragmatic in any way with his message. Um, he's not changing the message uh, to fit the audience. He's not changing the message to fit the times. He is giving the message that God gave him directly. Much as uh, faithful preachers around uh, the world do when they open up the scriptures and the scriptures is the main thing they teach. So he's not changing anything. And he's beginning to get very discouraged in his call. Um, and many of us may feel the same way at times. Uh, just being a Christian can be difficult in certain situations. But um, he's getting very discouraged in his call. And there's a reason in this particular passage that he is very discouraged. Um, and we see the context of his situation in verses 1 through 6. Uh, verses 1 through 6 of the chapter, Peshur, the uh, priest, and he's the chief officer of the temple, he hears Jeremiah prophesying. And he is not happy at all with what Jeremiah is saying. So, he, with his uh, authority as chief officer of the temple, he takes... Jeremiah has him beaten and put in stocks for the night. Now, uh, we've all seen, uh, you know, movies and stuff showing the stocks, right? The people down like this and, you know, people. it's, it's made fun of, you know. But lest we kind of diminish that situation uh, he was in, uh, there's a story of a man during the Reformation who was put in the stocks for a night and for preaching the gospel and having an English translation Bible. And he actually never regained the use of his legs for the rest of his life. So this was not just uncomfortable. This was torturous. And that's what Jeremiah went through. Uh, beaten first and then put in the stocks for the night. So after that, Jeremiah first pronounces the curse from the Lord on Peshur. Basically, he says, you're going to go into captivity and so is your whole house in Babylon. You're going with them. And you're going to die there and you're going to be buried there. And all your friends who prophesy falsely just like you are going to join you. So he, he pronounces that judgment. 
But what we're going to look at a little more closely is verses 7 through 13. Verses 7 through 13 of chapter 20. And I hope that what we find is in his, um, it's called his complaint, that hopefully we find a little hope and encouragement in that. And so I'm going to kind of break it into pretty much five little sections here as to what what we uh, what we look at. The first is that God is our strength when we have lost confidence in our call. God is our strength when we have lost confidence in our call. I'm going to read you verse seven. Now, mind you, he is he has just been beaten, put in stocks. He's just pronounced a judgment over Peshur. And now he's bringing his complaint to the Lord. He says, O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You have overcome me and prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. Now, this is an example of utter desperation on his part. Because it's, this is like the culmination. This is that point that we all may reach at times. This is the point where, okay, that's the last straw. I've had enough. We may have reached that at work, uh, in relationships, um, with our families, all those things. It's that, l- that final straw that breaks the camel's back, and now he is like in utter desperation. And he is in utter exaggeration as well. Because, as we all know, when the situation is bad, a lot of times our minds have the tendency to make that situation even worse than it is, right? To where if somebody is against us, somehow in our minds it becomes everyone's against us, right? I mean, it, it, that's how it is. I've, I've seen that situation in my own life, in church, and in, in work, and in family. It may just be one person, and they don't even know they're against you, but you're convinced they are. But then the next thing you know, everything's going wrong, right? That's where he's at. He's basically saying that God is now his enemy, and everyone's laughing at him. And that's not true. We know for a fact God's not his enemy. And um, I'm sure not everyone is laughing at him. But this is from him self-pity at its finest, right? And notice what the, wor- what the root word of self-pity is, is self. He's turned inward, right? Which is where, where I go when things are going wrong in my life. I go to myself. I turn inward. Um, how does that affect me? How do I feel about this? What is going, why are these people against me? And it's, it's an inward sort of thing. So it's not unusual. I can, I can really have empathy for him here because I've seen, I, I feel like I've been here in the same situation. And, you know, especially being in ministry for around 20 years or so, that has happened to me a lot. I've, I've, I've felt this same kind of thought. Um, but when God called Jeremiah, he promised Jeremiah ultimate victory, didn't he? He promised him, everything I tell you is going to come true. You're not going to say a single word that's a lie. 
Everything I tell you is going to come true. And that Jeremiah would be vindicated in that, right? But he also said in the same situation, but you're going to experience suffering because of this, right? He, he, he didn't leave him out and throw him out to the wolves and say, good luck. He told him, like, look, you're going to experience suffering in the situations. And what the problem is, the root of this, is that Jeremiah has lost confidence in the end because of that suffering. That God has promised him ultimate victory and vindication. His message is going to be true. And he's lost confidence in that call because of the situations that have happened around him. So he has lost his confidence in his call. And many of us, I think, have experienced that ourselves. It's those times when assurance is hard to find, right? When we, when we know that God has promised us assurance in his word, and yet we still struggle with it. And that's when we are losing confidence in our call. But God is our strength in that, just as God is his strength in this situation in his life. Now, the second part of this is that God is our strength when people attack us and our message. God is our strength when people attack us and our message. So that is kind of seen in verses 8 and 10 uh, in this. In verse 8, Jeremiah says basically that God's word uh, has brought disgrace on him. That the people don't like what he's saying, so it's made him be uh, reproached. And in verse 10, Jeremiah says that because of God's word, people are plotting to kill him, to take him out. So, he's in a bad spot. That's 100% for, for sure. He is. He's not in a great place when you're taken, beaten, and put in stocks because of what you're preaching. But once again, this is an exaggeration. He's calling people to repent. And this is what he kind of needs to remember. He is calling for repentance to a people who will never do it, who are never going to repent. And God made that clear to him when he says, don't even pray for them. They're not going to repent. Call them to it, but they're not going to do it. And God is not going to alter his holiness for anyone. He's going to hold them to that standard. So, he hasn't beaten, he hasn't thrown in stocks, and people are turning against him. So what does he do? Clearly, if we know the story of Jeremiah, is that even though this has happened, even though he's lost confidence in it, and he needs help, and he's, he's feeling attacked, and and he blames God's message for it, what does Jeremiah do? He keeps on preaching it without compromising it. Because even as the judgment descends from God, and Jeremiah's words are drowned out with the, the screams of the suffering, God has not been silent at all in calling his people to repent. He's called and he's called and they've rejected him. And Jeremiah 
is in, a, is in a rough spot. Maybe you've been in this spot before. Jeremiah is the mediator between two parties that are never going to compromise. He's trying to negotiate a, tree, a truce and a, and, a, and a peace treaty, and it's never going to work. There will be no peace between these two parties. Now, we're, we, we probably see those similarities in our culture today. I mean, honestly, we do. We know that there are people in our culture who will never turn to God will never repent and they hate God and that can cause discouragement maybe for some of us and some of our lives you know if you sit and watch uh, Facebook feeds or news very long you get discouraged and you feel like what's the use but here's the thing the message is the same the gospel is clear and our only job is to not to make it work our job is to proclaim it it's God himself that makes the gospel work. So, don't be discouraged, right? Because God is the one who works it, not us. So, the third thing, God is our strength when our call won't leave us. Listen to verse 9. This is... Jeremiah and just a point and I've seen this actually used as like a uh, like a whip them up into a frenzy kind of verse like yeah let's go kind of verse it's not that if you read the rest of the chapter verse 9 says but if I say I will not remember him or speak any more in his name then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones and I'm weary of holding it in and I cannot endure it some, some preach that as, as a fire shows on the bone and they get up there and they whip the crowd into a frenzy, but that's not what this is. Jeremiah's saying, I can't even turn it loose without being tortured. Our call won't leave us, is what he's saying. He, he, and he's, he's reeling that. Because he, he can t- he's considering here just shutting up and not saying anything. And, and the problem is, first of all, just because even if he made the decision to just shut up, God's not done God's not done talking to him. And he can't just not say anything. That's not what's gonna happen. The issue he has is that God's word is like a fire in him. And it's threatening to consume him if he doesn't let it out. There are um I, I thought this was an interesting point that um, Stephen Smith made. He says, there are, there are popular preachers, we know that, and there are well-loved pastors, but in the biblical context of it, um, you don't ever really hear of a popular or well-loved prophet, especially in the terms of Scripture, right? They killed the prophets, didn't they? They stoned them, they hated them. Because prophets are raised up by God in the scriptural context because there's a problem. And they aren't released from service about that problem until the problem is solved, the judgment is poured out, or the prophet's killed. 
they're not released until those things happen. Most of the time what we see is either judgment poured out or the prophets killed, right? Really, a, a lot of times, really, the only one I can really think of with the problem solved is Jonah. But he sat under a tree and fussed about it when it was solved, right? <laughs> when he turned the people of Nineveh back to God by bringing, bringing the message God had. Here's the thing. Before God formed Jeremiah in the womb, this was Jeremiah's purpose. When he was born, this was going to be his purpose. God, God sovereignly ordained it. So it's not going to leave him. It's never going to leave him. So Jeremiah is called of God, and he's stuck in that calling. He must incessantly preach a message that is never going to be received. And that sounds awful. But there is good news in this. And that's what the good news I want to get to in this portion of scripture. The good news is, even when we feel like we're butting our heads against the wall and that the gospel isn't working and that we're fighting a losing battle and we're like, just, I want to give up, that God fights for Jeremiah and God fights for us. So the fourth thing I want to talk about is the fact that God is our warrior. Verses 11 through 13. I'm going to read them to you. But the Lord is with me like a dread champion. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will be utterly ashamed because they have failed with an everlasting disgrace that will not be forgotten. Yet, O Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous, who see the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them. For to you I have set forth my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the soul of the needy one from the hand of evildoers. In all that is going on, Jeremiah does understand who God is. At the very least, he knows that God will defend him and fight for him. And look how he describes it in these verses. I think Jeremiah knows that God is not passive-aggressive. He's not passive in any way. He is active, right? God is fighting for Jeremiah. And look at the words he uses. A dread champion. He describes God as a dread champion. Um, a picture is the guy on the battlefield that you see in a movie, right, that is swinging his sword the best, and everybody that comes his way, he's just taking them out, right? That is God. God is a champion who does not lose a battle. And notice what he says about the persecutors. He says that they will stumble, they will not prevail, they will be utterly ashamed, they will fail, they will have everlasting disgrace, and they will have a disgrace that will never be forgotten. And I would say this, we are proof of that because we're sitting here reading this thousands of years later, and we know that this people ended in everlasting disgrace. Jeremiah then prays for God's vengeance because he has set forth his cause. Jeremiah has set forth his cause. In short, Lord, 
bring vengeance because I have turned this over to you. I've, I've given this in my heart to you to take vengeance. Now, what we've been on with Jeremiah in just these few verses is this. An emotional roller coaster. And Jeremiah can almost seem kind of manic, depressive, right? He's, he's like, it's the worst thing ever. I'm going to sing praise to the Lord, right? And see, it's a help to us because we walk with Christ. And in our walk with Christ, we're going to experience ups and downs. There's going to be times when things don't feel like they're going right, and there's going to be times when we feel like we're just flying four feet off the ground the whole time, like everything's great. And it's great that God allowed this to be in Scripture for us to see. We know we're not alone in this. And this is a help to us to understand that in the end, our strength is God himself. Not anything we can do, not what we can figure out or accomplish. It's in God himself through the person and work of Jesus Christ in our lives. He fights for us. He has already won the battle on Calvary for us. And as we walk in this world, we can lean upon him assured that what he's called us to is set. And we know that he is with us. So, God in Scripture has shown us very clearly that he's not going to be passive-aggressive in any situation, right? He is always going to seek out. Um, Adam sinned, and God didn't just go to the garden and be like, oh, I don't see him. God sought him out. He said, where are you, right? Why are you hiding? Ahaz, in Scripture, ignored God, and Isaiah prophesied, Emmanuel, God with us. So even though Ahaz had ignored God, he said, nope, God will be with us through the personal work of Jesus Christ, right? And Jesus, notice in a lot of his, uh, in one of his biggest um, kind of dissertations on how he operates, he said that he would, he's like actively seeking out his people, like a, law, like a shepherd seeking out a lost sheep, right? Or the woman sweeping her house looking for that lost coin. Or the man who buys the whole field because there's a lost treasure there, right? He is seeking us out. So he's not passive aggressive on it. He's not uh, uh, counterintuitively to what we hear a lot of time in evangelical churches. He's not waiting, hoping we'll come to him. He's actively seeking us out. And if he's never passive, and he's always active in our lives, then we know that whatever comes, we have strength to endure through him. God, though, I feel one thing we see here is I think God wants us to be honest with him. But here's the thing. If we're going to be honest with God, he's going to be honest with us. And we've got to be able to see that other side. When he's honest with us and he brings it to us, and we know that the way he brings that to us is he reveals it to us through his word, right? He will, at times, take away what we feel are sources of energy in our lives. He will take away idols, 
and he'll leave us without them. And a lot of times we're like, what do I do now, right? He'll take, them, he'll take them away for our lives. And what do we do when that's removed? Where should we lean? We lean on our strength, God, right? Our, our dread warrior who fights for us. In this process of sanctification, cutting away happens all the time. He's molding us into the very image of Christ, right? It says that we're being molded into the image of Christ. And if he's doing that throughout our whole lives, like we know, there's no point when we're going to get there. But throughout our whole lives, he's molding us, shaping us from beginning to end. And there's going to be times of cutting away and molding that are going to be difficult. And then those times we need to lean on the potter. We need to lean on the one cutting. We need to lean on God. He's our strength. So, even though this, the, some of this stuff is real ugly and real exaggerated and real tough, Jeremiah is getting it all out. He's putting it out there, and he acknowledges God's sovereignty in it and that God will fight for him, and that's a good thing. But here's the thing. Jeremiah's not done talking. And Jeremiah goes from that mountaintop back to the valley. When he says in 14 through 18, basically, I wish I'd died in the womb and never been born. You see, he's having a tough time. And he needs to lean on his strength, which is God. He's going to have a hard time for the rest of this book. But he will be vindicated. Am I right? God's word will come true in his life. But here's the thing, Jeremiah's ending in a, in a somber lament is not the end for us. Here's the thing, we have a better promise, the promise of Jesus Christ, that we're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, and that the work was done by Christ on the cross. So now we can look at these things and we can apply some things to our lives. This is helpful to us and it helps us to see the ups and downs, right? But here's the thing. There's some hope that we have in this. The first thing is this. 100%. In dark times, bring it all to God. Be honest. Honestly approach the throne in prayer. As the word says, boldly come into his presence and tell him, bring your cares to him. It says, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you, right? Bring it to him. It's not like he's going to go, <gasps> he's God, he's sovereign. He wants us to bring those things to him, and he wants us to be honest. In bringing it to him, we also have to do this. Trust in his sovereign plan. If we are people of the Bible... We must believe that the Bible says the truth, right? And his word says that he has ordered all things. He has ordained all things from the beginning. All is a very particular word. Nothing exists outside of all. And he has ordained all things. Know his plan. You can trust it. Thirdly, we need to see the beauty of of the gospel, even in this awful situation. 
and in our awful situation, see the beauty of the gospel that Christ has made a way to save us, to deliver us from all of the punishment and curse of the law. And that's a wonderful thing. And fourth, and I think probably most important, and it actually leads us into the rest of our service today, give glory to Christ for the final victory. Because we didn't win the battle. He did. And he is worthy of us to give him all glory, honor, and praise for all eternity. So, I hope that's helped you this morning as it helped me as I was studying it. Um,